Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. August and next Sunday, kind of kicking off the month of August with a night of prayer where we're going to join together uh, for a little bit of time and just pray over our community, our city, um, our nation, the world, and just join together, join our hearts together, join our prayers together. And then also in August, we are, are excited because in your seats, probably in a seat next to you or in the seat you sat on, uh, there are some random acts of kindness cards, great conversation starters, things that you can leave as the Lord leads you to do a, an act of kindness for somebody. And so we'll have these out every single week so you can pick them up. And it's just a way that uh, we can let people know, hey, God loves you. God sees you where you are. He knows you by name. And uh, man, even people that we may not even know as the Lord leads for us to just uh, do random acts of kindness all throughout the month of August, and hopefully that'll carry over in your life after that. That's the that's the prayer anyway. That's the hope, amen, <laughs> is that that would happen. And so today, I'm not going to waste any more time because we have a very special treat. And so I want you to put your hands together and help me welcome to the stage the one and the only Mr. Jerry Roberts. <laughs> Amen. Hey, let's give that, I've got to give that praise and worship team another round of applause in the name of Jesus. I mean, my goodness. I mean, I, I tell you, just, you know, like Isaiah 61 and 3 said to God, give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The spirit of heaviness can't hang around in this place. I, I'm telling you that right now because this is an atmosphere of praise. Amen. And I, and I love it. I mean, um, it's just amazing. I mean, I have to tell my wife, we're sitting there, I was like, I know I'm going to have to start coming. When I want to listen to some praise, I mean, but thank God for this opportunity. Yeah, my name is Jerry Roberts, uh, married to the, my favorite answer of prayer, which is my pretty, my beautiful, gorgeous wife who is by my side, Leslie Roberts, and our wonderful two amazing boys. Um, we do prison ministry. We travel all over Texas, you know, and she's right by my side going in because Jesus Christ said, when I was in prison, you came and visited me. And we're told in the book of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 3, he said, remember those that's in prisons, they'll be bound with them. And so just because they messed up in there don't mean they're still not our brothers and sisters. And the gospel is what is going to set them free. Amen. So we do prison ministry. I'm an elder at Calvary Chapel of Paris. So some of you may know me um, from even Facebook. You know, um, I was out mending my fence one day, me and my son, and God spoke to me. And I said, son, here, hold my phone. And I said, God spoke to me. He's like, I didn't hear nothing. I was like... <laughs> I said, no, no, no. I said, hold my phone. So, and I started speaking. Well, anyway, that video, it went so viral that God um, opened doors for us to be on CBN, uh, Trinity Broadcast Network. Um, over 2 million people repented and turned to God instead of turning to the world. Um, it touched so many lives, even Sarah Palin, uh, Rich. It was just so many lives got touched through it. So when God speaks to your heart, hey, speak in the name of Jesus. Because he, you may look at one person, but he's looking at a million. Amen. Amen. So uh, I thank God for that wonderful opportunity and this open door to come and to share the word of God with you today. This is a, a, honor, a wonderful blessing, for we know it's only God who opened doors and no man can close and close doors and no man can open. Amen. Amen. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'm not going to hold you too long, but I just want to share a word that God had placed on my heart for the day. If you have your Bible with you, I'm going to uh, ask you to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 7. 
Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. I'm going to be reading to you from the New King James Version. Beginning in verse 24, it said, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, this is our Lord speaking, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. And so it was then Jesus, when Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his teachings, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, again, we just want to say thank you in the name of Jesus. You are a great God. There is no God like you. There is no God that can even be compared to you. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the El Shaddai, the God that is more than enough. Yes, you are the God of all creations, Elohim, the God who creates. Thank you so much for your grace, your mercy, and your loving kindness, the salvation and victory that we, re we receive only through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being our confident teacher. And as we come together as the church, the body of Christ, assembled together today, allow us to be rooted and ground up, build up, and established in the faith. Allows us to be filled with the knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Open our hearts and open our ears, Lord, and let us be attentive to your word. Speak to each and every area of our lives, Heavenly Father, where we are not bringing glory to you. That we may repent, Heavenly Father, and turn to you. We thank you again for this time. We thank you, Father in heaven, for who you are. We love you. Feed the church that you have purchased with your blood, Jesus, and use my lips to do, for, do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For a title today, I would like to use a firm foundation. A firm foundation. I was Earlier I was speaking of a story, you know, I um, went and visited my sister. My sister, she had built her this new home. And we went out and visited my sister. And, uh, and we, it was uh, some years, you know, we have been visiting her time and time. But we went out one day and we visited her and uh, I was going around, I was looking at the house, and my uh, brother-in-law was showing me the, up the rooms and everything, and I was going up the stairs, I was looking at the cracks on the walls and the cracks that are starting to appear in the ceiling, and he noticed me looking at these cracks. And so he was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I noticed you see the cracks. I said, yeah, I see you got some cracks. He said, yeah. He said, man, I, I painted over them, and, and then that's thing, you know, a couple months later, they come back. He said, so he hired a guy to come in and putty over them and paint them. He said, but he wasn't no good. Because six months later, they came right back. He said, so, you know, I'm going to hire another guy to come in and you know, paint over them and, and putty them real good. That way, you know, I can get rid of those cracks. And, and when I looked at him, I said, you mind my shirt so much? I said, because um, the cracks is not your problem. I said, you know, your cracks that you see, that's only a symptom of the problems. I said, see, what's happening is, is you, have a, you have a shifting foundation. And unless you address that foundation, you're going to be forever doing patchwork all around your house, which is going to cost you a lot of time and a lot of money. Well, when he looked at me, he looked at the cracks, and he looked at me like I was on crack, you know. <laughs> He's like, huh. But what I had to explain to him is that 
if you don't address that foundation, you're going to be forever doing patchwork here in this house. Well, you know, there's a lot of cracks in this world today. There's a lot of cracks in our lives. There's a lot of cracks in marriages. There's a lot of cracks in society. You have the divorce cracks. You have the identity cracks. Men and women don't know who they are and their purpose and why they were created. You have a, a, a lot of a suicidal cracks. Men and women giving up on life because they feel that they are not loved. You have a lot of racism cracks that the enemy is trying to use to bring division and strife even in, among, in the midst of the body of Christ. And in, unless you and I address the foundation or the foundation is not addressed, we're going to all be forever doing patchwork in our life. Because the cracks and things that we see, it stimulates from a much deeper issue. And it's more than what we can just see with the physical eye. That's why I love the book of Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 16 and 17, how Paul spoke to the church of enlightening the eyes of their understanding. To let their spiritual eyes be open. And then he goes on in chapter 6 and let them know that, hey, it's not flesh and blood that you are warring against. He will let them know that there's a principality behind that personality. So that way we won't be at war with one another. So you and I, we must understand that there's a deeper issue to the cracks that we're seeing in our lives and marriages in this world and in society today. Which leads us to this passage of scripture that we're going to be unfolding today where we see our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gives us a comparison, a contrast, and a conclusion about two people. And we're going to look at first the comparison about of these two people. The first thing that we're going to look at in this comparison is that both face storms. Another thing we look at is that both heard the words of the living God. Both of them, both build a house. Now I want to address that word house very quickly because house in the Bible is just not speaking about a place where you and I live or a place that we dwell. You see in 2 Corinthians like in chapter 5 and in verse 1 where Paul spoke, he said, for we know that if our earthly, earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, hallelujah, that we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, praise God, right? So here you can see the word house is used symbolically too, like uh, your personal self, you know, your own personal life. Another example, and, and, and what I want to say about that first of all before I move on, is that every one of us desire to have a, and build a successful life. No one desires to build a life that fails. Each one of us want to have or build a life that is meaningful, you know, leaving a legacy. I... Um, I went. I was at a graveyard, and I saw, you know, where um, someone was born, and then you see the dash, and then you see when they was deceased. And you know, the spirit of the Lord quickened me. It's like, you know, you see that dash. You wonder what that person did with that dash. What did they do for my glory? What did they do for my kingdom? What meaning did they? What seed did they plant into their children? Because we serve a God of God of a generational God. The book of Psalms chapter 78 speaks of how he desired for us to teach his commandments to our children and then our children and to our children's children. So that dash right now in your life, because you are alive today, what are you doing with it? But we all deserve to have a life that is meaningful. And another thing when it comes to this word house, when like you read the book of Genesis or Genesis chapter 18 and verse 19 where it speaks about Abraham's household, right? And his household was speaking about his family. 
So when it comes to your house, it can also be speaking about your family. And no man or woman walks down the aisles of life, uh, down the aisles of a marriage, planning on getting a divorce. At least I hope not. Okay. Every man and every woman desires to build a successful family with a nice home, children, vacations, and a cat and dog even playing together. You know, we desire to have build successful lives. Not only that, in and uh, the third one thing I want to look at about house is in the book of Isaiah chapter eight and verse fourteen, and when it speaks of the house of Israel. You know, that's speaking about like, you know, a nation, you know, a government society. That was your northern, that was your southern kingdoms, right? So when we look at this word house, we can see that house has more than just one meaning, right? Because every one of us, we desire and we want to build a a peaceful nation and see a peaceful government and live in a peaceful society. And as I was looking at uh, your uh, announcements uh, about August the 2nd, how y'all are going to go out and, hey, you know, I'm going to be there. How you're going to come together and you're going to be praying for this nation. Don't you know that's biblical? First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Re- listen to this. It said, therefore, I exhort first of all that all supplications, prayer and intercession and giving of thanks be made for all men. Not some, but all. Right? He said, for kings and for all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. I want to let you know that when you go down to that square on the second, it is going to be good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Amen? But God shows us, he said, hey, do you want to have a peaceful life? He said, the body come together in prayer. See, we need to know who we are because he said that the prayer of the righteous availeth much. That means have tremendous power. Our prayers break strings and break chains and destroy strongholds. Our prayers move mountains in the name of Jesus. Our prayers set the captive free in the name of Jesus. Right? We need to know the power of prayer, that communication with you and the living God. So a house, let me get back to that. So a house, he said in the Bible, is referred to your personal life, your family life, or your nation, or even government. And just like these two, you and I, we're facing a storm today. We're facing this storm called the COVID-19 or the coronavirus. And when this coronavirus, you look at the same storm, like this storm, when it speaks about the wind, that the wind blew and the rain descended. Well, the wind, which, which, which direction do the wind blow? It blows from the north, the east, the west, and the south. What is that? The news. See, when the wind blow, every time you listen to the news, that's all this here. Because Jesus said this in Mark 4.24. He said, take heed to how you hear for what measure you take, we measure it unto you. And when the wind blow, you can look outside and you see the trees move, but you can't see it. And see, this social media and this news and everything today got everybody shifted that we're listening to. This wind that's blowing got everybody troubled and destroyed and it's bringing about a lot of contention, a lot of division, and a lot of strife, which is which we have an adversary behind it who is the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that works in the children of disobedience, and his name is Satan. And he has an agenda. So he want to use what we hear to try to impart fear. But we know that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're all right now, we're facing a pandemic. And you know when he say a flood now, if a flood was to come, you know, everything would be shut down. You couldn't drive down the streets or nothing. 
But have not COVID shut a lot of things down? So we are in a storm. We're going through this storm right now. And not only that, we're all here today to hear the words of God. And each one of us here, we all are trying to build a successful life, a successful marriage, or a successful career, or we're trying to build a successful family, and maybe, or a successful ministry. We're all here facing the exact same storm that these men faced. Now I want to look at the contrast between the two. The contrast between the two was one was considered wise and one was considered foolish. One was a hearer and a doer. He applied God's word to his life. He was, he, he was a hearer and a doer of Jesus Christ's sayings. But the other one was not. We all need to know that when it comes to the Bible, being wise and being foolish has nothing to do with your credentials or your education. It has nothing to do with how rich or how poor you are. When it comes to biblical wisdom, biblical wisdom, and I'm going to say it twice, Biblical wisdom is your ability and decision to apply spiritual truth to life realities. Again, I say, biblical wisdom, applying God's word, biblical wisdom is your ability and decision to apply spiritual truth to life realities. In Joshua 1 and 8, God said that this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on the day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. He said, then you shall make your way prosperous and have good success. You want to have a successful family? You want to have a successful career, a successful ministry? Apply Jesus' saying to your life. But not only that, a foolish person in the Bible is someone who refuses is the refusal to apply biblical and spiritual truth to life realities. Foolishness is, to, is the refusal after you have heard it, the refusal to apply biblical and spiritual truth to life realities. Now, my question is, which one are you? And I pray that you would ask yourself that and ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes, open your heart to see where and how are you walking when it comes to the contrast and the comparison of these two. Because both a wise man and a foolish man can listen to the most anointing preaching on the face of this earth and still leave living two extremely different lives. They just got through listening to the words of Jesus Christ. Both a wise and a foolish man can encounter the same trials and the same storms in this life. And I'm here to let you know that just because you gave your life to Jesus Christ does not mean you will not encounter a storm. It does not mean that you will not go through trials and challenges in life. But see, we have confidence and we have hope because we serve a God whose name is Jehovah Nisi, which is the God that is our banner, who fights for us. And Jesus told us in John 16, he said, and in this world you will have tribulation. He said, but in me you will have peace. He said, be of good cheer. And why? Because he has overcome the world. So when I face a trial, when I face a storm, I need to see what Jesus Christ has to say about it. Because when the Bible tells me in Isaiah 46 and 10 that God declared the end from the beginning, that means he already knows where this thing is going. Right? So that's who I want to stick with. Amen? No matter what situation I'm facing. So the wise man applied, he obeyed Jesus saying to his lives. And there is obedience and blessings. That's what we need to know. As a matter of fact, your obedience even showed that you love him. John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He said, he who has my commandments and keep them is he who loves me. And verse 21, oh, there's Great blessing. Job 36, 11 says, if they obey and serve me, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. 
Oh, I, I love that, Lord. Blessings in obedience. But the foolish man, he did not. He did not obey. He did not apply God's word to his life. And Jesus had got, just got through preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And in verse 24, he, would, he just said, Whosoever hear these sayings of mine and keep them, I will liken him unto a wise man. Now, we can look at this as Jesus Christ is saying, you know, um, who, whoever do, does all that I command you to do, which is true, is wise. I mean, that is true. We want to do everything Jesus Christ has is, 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 is commanded us to do. But in context, he just got through preaching the Sermon on the Mount. So he's saying whoever keeps these sayings of mine and these principles, principles in this sermon can build themselves a stable life, a stable marriage, a stable family, and a stable nation. If we was to apply these principles and these sayings that he has got through teaching in the last three chapters. Because when you look at it, he, he gave us a tremendous amount of building material that we can apply to our lives. That whenever the storms do come, we will not fall. One of them I want to, we're going to look at, we're going to look at a few of them, I'm not going to look at all of them. But I just want to point out the, the B attitudes, which mean the blessed attitudes, what I like to call them. Where he teaches how there's happiness for the downtrodden, how there's comfort for the mourning. There are so many people who are, have lost their lives and people need comfort. But God said weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So Romans chapter 15 verses 4 through 5 tells us that we find comfort and hope in the scriptures. See, whenever I go through a time of mourning, I need to see what God's word has to say about that situation. That way I can have comfort and I can have hope during this pandemic. He also shows that there's a reward for the meek and how to obtain mercy for sins. Hope for the persecuted, the beauty and purity and how to have joy when people mistreat you. Many of us will be mistreated or have been mistreated. But no matter how you have been treated, we serve a Lord and Savior who can cause that to be a time where he works out all things together for the good. See, Joseph was mistreated, but at the end of Joseph's trial, he come to understand, you know what? God was allowed that mess for a reason. He allowed me to get rejected for a reason, and that rejection really was only God's deliverance to bring him into the place where God to use him. He said in Genesis 15 and 20, he said, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for the good, to bring about this day to save much people's lives. So those, those times when you've been mistreated, who knows if God did not allow it? And he allowed it for a reason, maybe to bring you to a place to deliver you from an uh, ungodly relationship or ungodly influences. Because 1 Corinthians 15 33 says that evil company corrupts good character. And he knows that we're social and emotional beings who get tied and connected to one another. And he may have to allow a certain situation to happen just to remove you out of the presence or remove you from somebody that is uh, affecting your character. That is hindering you from manifesting the character of Jesus Christ. Another thing that he teaches us. He teaches us how that we are the believers are the salt and we are also the light, which shows us our purpose for living. That is to bring glory to God and so that others can come to him and give our father glory. He says that for us to let our light so shine before God and men that they may see our good works and glorify the father in heaven. And how is that? How can my light shine? I'm glad you asked. All right. I'm going to read a scripture to you just to show you with simplicity how to let your light shine. In the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, he said, do all things without murmuring or complaining or complaining and disputing. He said that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation 
among whom you shine as lights in the world. See, on that job where everybody else is murmuring and complaining about the pay, you're just grateful that you have a job and that God has blessed you with hands and be able to work. You're someone who's giving thanks to knowing that a good labor is a gift from God according to Ecclesiastes 5.19 and that a man cannot receive anything unless it be given to him from above, coming down from the Father lights, amen, which is every good and perfect gift come from. You thank God for his grace and mercy and get, asking, giving you wisdom on how to use your finances in a way to take care of your responsibilities. But you're not murmuring and you're not complaining, especially when you see what is going on on the world today. You know that Jesus Christ, he already told you that these things were going to come to pass when I read Matthew chapter 24, when I read uh, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, when I read 1 Timothy chapter 3 or 2 Timothy chapter 3 or when I go to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 when I go to the book of Revelation. And when Jesus told me these things are going to come. So now I understand why Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. So when people see you in this crooked and perverse world, they see people of peace, people of joy. Because we already know what was written. We got the blueprint already. Amen. Not only that, he went on to teach us many other things. He taught us how he was the fulfilling of the law, which gives us freedom from religious oppressors. You see, in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 5, you had whenever the mount on, on the Mount of Transfiguration where Peter, where Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and then there appeared Moses and Elijah. And then all of a sudden, a wonderful voice broke out, open through the sky, and it was God the Father said, this is my beloved son, and who I am well pleased. He says, hear him. What was he saying? See, Moses represented the law. Elijah represented the prophets. He said, but if you just hear him, You'll fulfill the law and the prophets. Just listen to what he say. You don't have to try to keep a whole bunch of religious things. He said, follow my son. And Jesus Christ, he delivers us from a lot of religious and traditional things. Even many try to hold on to a lot of traditions. And didn't he tell us in Matthew 15 and 5, he said that your traditions transgress God's commandments. That's what he told the Pharisees. See, they were holding on to, to traditions that hindered them from reflecting the character and the love of God to others. And today, so many churches are holding on to these traditions and it's hindering them from experiencing the power of the living God. You better ask the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, he persecuted the church holding on to traditions. And see, that's what we want to make sure that I don't follow traditions, but I'm going to follow Jesus Christ especially in this trial that you and I are facing. He went on to teach us about the danger of an angry heart, teaching us how to reconcile with those who have offended us. Let me let you know something. It doesn't matter, matter what relationship you enter, what job you go on, or what church you go to. You and I, no matter what store you go in, it may be Walmart, but you and I will get offended in this life. Your spouse is going to offend you. Your children are going to offend you. Your co-workers are going to offend you. We're told right there in the book of Luke chapter 17 and verse 1, Jesus said this, he said, and he said to the disciple, it is impossible that no offenses should come. He's letting you know he's prepared you. You know, I'm going to quickly tell you this because I'm, I'm from the country, right? I'm country in a bell of hay. All right? In the country, see, I, when we got cows and things, you know, something we do, we prepare for the wintertime. And what we have to do to prepare for the wintertime is get this thing called hay. So in the spring and summer, what we do, we go get the tractor, we get the cutter, we get the rakes. Some of y'all know about that. Some of y'all know. I'm from, I'm from Manchester, deep down on the river, okay? 
So anyway, so that's what we do. We prepare for the wintertime so there would not be a disaster whenever the wintertime comes because grass doesn't grow. So we get prepared in spring and summer for what we know what is going to come so that it would not be a disaster. So Jesus Christ has told you that offenses are going to come. What are you doing to prepare so that there would not be a disaster? So that there would not be a disaster or a crack called divorce or separation. So that you will not destroy your testimony all because you get offended. So he prepares us and he teaches us the dangers of an angry heart. Even today, Jesus told us, body of Christ, in Matthew 24, 10, he said that in the last days, he said, many will be offended. This is why they're turned down the statues. They're offended. He told us those things were going to happen. So what we do is understand, wait a minute, Jesus said that was going to come. Let me pray. I'm going to pray for that individual in the name of Jesus Christ. But I'm going to be thankful, Lord, that you already had me prepared and ready so that I won't get outside my character of Christ all because of what I see and what's going on in this world today. Amen? He went on. And he went on to teach us how to control ourselves against, uh, against lust that destroys marriages and relationships. He points out the importance of commitment in marriage. Marriage is a beautiful thing. I love my relationship with my beautiful wife. Because our marriage and every marriage should be a portrait of the way that Jesus Christ loved the church. And it's very difficult for you to love your wife the way Christ loved the church if you don't know how Jesus Christ loved the church. This is why marriage should always begin on the foundation called Jesus. Because the wind is going to blow, the rain is going to descend, and the floods is going to come. But see, when you get before one another and you have vowed that vow to one another through thickness and thin, richer or poor, sickness and health, better or worse, till death do you part. When the worst times come, you're still standing strong. When the bad times come, you're still standing strong because your marriage is founded upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives you that blueprint in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 20 through 33, and 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. But Jesus went on to teach also about forbidding how Jesus forbidden oaths. Here he was just trying to teach us how to be men and women of our word. As I was mentioned before, growing up, I remember when it was just a handshake and a smile and people took your word seriously because your word meant something. But today, now you got to have an arbitration clause. you got to have a contract. you got to have everything just to get, just make somebody know you're serious. But he wants us to be men and women that are trustworthy, men and women of our word. Then he teaches us how to pray. And that's something that we must learn during this storm that we're facing is how to pray. He told us in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 6, he said, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in a time of need. This is a time of need. So we need to know how to pray, how to communicate with the living God and knowing the power and authority we have. And when we speak, mountains move. When we speak, strongholds are released. And we have members and loved ones around us that are going through these times and don't know how to pray. So us in the body of Christ, let's disciple each other and making sure that we learn how to pray. But he continues on with outstanding teachings and principles that we can use when we face storms of life. And then he comes to this conclusion. He comes to this conclusion because about building, but where you begin when you do build. Anytime you start building, the first thing you must start with first is the foundation, right? You can tell how big a building is going to be, how, big, how tall a building is going to be, and you can tell how strong it's going to be simply by the foundation. If you build on sand, it's going to be quick, but if you build on rock, it's going to take you some time. 
If you build on sand, it's going to be cheap. But if you build on rock, it's going to be expensive. If we build on sand, it's going to be easy and quick. But if you build on rock, it's going to take some hard work. See, it takes patience to build a life in a long, loving marriage. It takes patience if you want. It's not something that's going to be quickly done overnight. That's why our husband is told to dwell with his wife with understanding. In 1 Peter 3, 7, he told us to honor her. Get to know her. You never know what she's been through, how she's been offended, how she's been hurt, how she's been abused, verbally or physically. So he said, get to know her. Get to really understand what you're, what you're doing because when you take this one in, this is my daughter you're taking in. I don't know about you. I'm a protective daddy. Right? I don't want to just give my daughter to know anybody. I had a young man ask me one day. He said, man, I'm ready for me a woman of God. I said, are you a godly husband? I said, because why you want God to bring you a godly woman if you ain't a godly man? All right? So it starts at the foundation of Jesus Christ, but it takes patience. And also following Jesus Christ is not cheap. It will cost you. It can cost you time. It will cost you friends. It can even cost you family. But it's, it's a cost. It costs Jesus Christ his life. And John 21, 19, Jesus Christ's life is what brought glory to the living God. What needs to die in your life to bring glory to God? What are you holding on to that needs to be cut off and die and crucified that your life will bring glory to God the Father? Building a life on a solid, solid foundation is not, uh, and following Jesus Christ is not going to be easy. He said narrow is the way, and there's only few who find it. You're going to have people that not like you when you're following Jesus Christ, but that's all right. That's why I pray for them and I just have mercy on them because I too once was lost. And I too was one now he have quickened, he have opened my eyes because I was dead in trespasses and sin also. Following Jesus Christ will cause, will, will allow you also to enter storms in this journey. But we can rejoice because every opposition we face is only an opportunity for us to experience the living God. Amen? Let us pray. Living God, we want to thank you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for a firm foundation, which is you, Jesus. There is no foundation like yours, a foundation that is unmovable. We need you during this time, this pandemic that we're facing. We need your word. We need your strength. We need your Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. Teach us how to love. Teach us how to be strong and teach us to be committed. Lord, let us be strong in you and in the power of your might for us, not by our power, but by your spirit, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Lord, I pray that this word, Father in heaven, be written up on the tablet of our heart that we will not sin against you but that we will glorify you with our lives and present ourselves to you as living sacrifices. Lord, we thank you, and I thank you so much for this open-door time and this opportunity to share with my brothers and sisters. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.